What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast, the official podcast of MetalNexus.net, where you can get all your show reviews, concert photos, and the latest going-ons in the rock and metal world. And uh, this is another solo venture from me. Uh, this episode's guests, that's right, there is more than one, is Mickey Avalon and Simon Rex. Uh, they are two of the guests that you will find at the Astronomicon 3, happening February 7th through the 9th at the Wyndham Gardens in Sterling Heights, Michigan. Uh, went last year, had a lot of fun, uh, never been to a con. If you remember some of the interviews I did in preparation last year, uh, with, with Jamie from twisted, um, you know, I'd never really been to a con. It seems like a lot of fun and I really enjoy the fact that, you know, the guys in twisted are, uh, doing something to kind of bring con culture to the Detroit area, kind of putting their spin on it, you know, with their brand, you know, being in horror, the horror core rap kind of stuff that they do, uh, and just kind of bringing this sense of community to, to the con world and to bring it to here in Michigan and kind of trying to put its own stamp on something and kind of give a place for people to feel included. Uh, you know, I think it's pretty cool. I and, mean, you know, a lot of these people that have come to the events obviously don't come to Detroit very often. Uh, as you'll hear me say, you know, both Simon and uh, especially Mickey, uh, who is more of a performer in the truest sense, uh, you know, doesn't come around the area that often neither had really gone to cons at all. So this is going to kind of be their first foray into going into a con as a whole. So I think that's something that Twisted is kind of doing that's pretty cool is that, you know, they're able to kind of get these people who maybe aren't in that realm of going to cons, going to horror theme things or going, you know, with to pop culture kind of things like this. Um, but it sounds like, you know, they're both going into it with, uh, with open minds and really looking forward to doing it. Um, and so I'm hoping that that kind of openness and, and love is reciprocated by the fans that are going to be attending this year's Astronomicon. Um, I will not be attending. I, uh, unfortunately have been getting ready literally as of when I'm recording this. I am hours away from going to, uh, New Orleans for about a week. So going to be doing a lot of cool, fun things. So we're getting this done, getting it out. Um, this is a lot of fun though. Mickey Avalon, if you're not familiar Simon Rex, uh, if you're not really familiar with either one of them, Mickey Avalon and Simon Rex actually are a rapper producing duo. Uh, they came out with a song that you may know called My Dick. I actually put it in the front of the episode because it's it's the thing, it's the one thing that ties both of them together for this episode because I like to be stupid and do fun things like that to, uh, you know, kind of have little ties together whether you realize it or not. Um you know, that was how Mickey Avalon came into my my peripheral vision is basically with that song. Uh, Simon Rex I've known for a long time, obviously being a kid in my, you know, in my mid-30s now, but a kid of the MTV generation, Simon Rex was pretty prevalent, uh, you know, as a, as a VJ and, and doing a lot of the hosting stuff for, for various shows. Um, as you hear me mention, The Rock and Jock and so forth. So it's, uh, it's definitely one of those things that these two offer a lot of interesting things. Um, I know this is more supposed to be more geared toward Astronomicon, but I mean, right out the gate, basically when you ask someone about, you know, a con and they're like, oh, I've never really been, so on and so forth, it's it's kind of hard to keep it on that, especially when they're musicians and not necessarily uh, actors or, or pop culture people who go to these things all the time. Um, so with Mickey, you know, I think the thing that's interesting to me is he is presumably more known for a lot of these songs that are kind of, you know... <sighs> Excess is kind of the one of the few words that kind of keeps coming to mind, you know. I read the comments on, on you know, his music and, and what people think. And, you know, his fans are obviously very interested in what he does. And, you know, they just are about having a good time. But I see a lot of negative comments basically making the comment that it seems like he's all, you know, coked out or drugged out or whatever. And to me, you know, like I say in the, in the conversation with him, it's like you can't have a career that's lasted a decade and a half if that's basically your MO, like very few people have ever done it. Let me being one of them, but he just figured out how to make it work for himself. But it's one of those things. Like I was interested when this potential opportunity came to talk to Mickey because I wanted to know more about him. And, uh, 
you know, we kind of ended up talking uh, briefly for just a hot second before we hit record. And, you know, he's got some new music coming out and I'd love to have him come back on the show because I think he is in an interesting position and something I would really love to talk about more is, you know, he came up in the early days of MySpace where, you know, in this moment and a lot of those kind of bands started becoming into their own where they didn't have a label. They didn't have these things. They just put out their music and the fans found it and really moved the needle on it. And, you know, as a result of that, ended up getting, you know, major label looks and so forth. And I think it's one of those things where it's interesting that, you know, some of these band people came in at a time and got some success based on being an independent artist, went to a major label system, maybe found that it did not work for them. And now we're kind of back in this you know, wild, wild west where it's like, you don't have to be on a major label. You don't have to do things the old way. You can kind of, as long as you're willing to keep putting in the work and, and adapting, you will be successful. And so to me, getting to talk to Mickey more about that, that time period and, you know, being an independent artist now, I think would be very interesting, uh, especially given the the different nature of the genre of music he's in. Maybe not a guest necessarily you would think I would have on this show, but I think definitely proves the point of like, hey, I'm more than what you may think that the show is. And secondly, that everybody has an interesting story to tell. And I think that's something that I love about a lot of the podcasts I listen to is I may have I may listen to interviews with people I don't know or don't think I like, but they're hella interesting because of the person and what they're able to bring out of them. Um, so I hope I was able to do that for you with Mickey. Uh, Simon Rex, there's so much that that dude has done since I've known about him. And I think, you know, a lot of people are, you know, as he's being touted um, on the, the Astronomicon stuff, you know, like, oh, from Scream 3 and, and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, no, like he's he was in an interesting part of MCV culture, you know, back when they still played music videos, back when, you know, when he kind of touches on this too, and I would love to have him on and talk really in depth about this because I, I think this is just fucking wildly fascinating. But the whole idea of, you know, him being around when the reality TV aspect of MTV started and basically is the format of what it is now is it's all reality TV and reality TV wasn't a thing like it is now. And he was at the precipice of reality tv and and you know it's kind of interesting you know he even kind of makes a comment of like yeah i think it's fucking stupid like how long will that last and and here we are decades later and that's like the norm it's it's what does sell and pushes the needle and it's just wild to think back to the fact that he was at a time where he was seeing the shift literally happening from mtv being a music channel to being basically a reality scripted reality or whatever based channel and I think I find that wildly fascinating, you know, his ties to rock and jock when that first started. I I mean, it's no secret. I, I love Aaliyah. If you follow any of my socials, you'll know that I, I very much am a huge Aaliyah fan. I have a, a Aaliyah portrait tattooed on me. Um, you know, I, I didn't even think about the parallels until Simon said it about basically, um, you know, Kobe Bryant to Aaliyah and all that kind of stuff. And the, if the celebrity factor of them being celebrities is what allowed them to be able to fly in unsafe conditions that maybe the normal person wouldn't have been allowed to fly under. Um, it's an interesting perspective, uh, something I've definitely been thinking about the rest of today. Uh, as of when I'm recording this, I did the interview with Simon today. Um, and it's just... It's an interesting thought. Um, you'll hear in an episode uh, we're doing next week, which uh, Dan and I already recorded. Um, you know, I kind of talk about you know Kobe Bryant's passing. Um, so I'm not really going to touch on it too much here because I kind of talk about it quite a bit over there. So in a week you'll hear my thoughts on Kobe Bryant's passing, but it's been a, a pretty huge loss and literally just got off the phone and the whole conversation and the reason the person called me was spurned by Kobe Bryant's passing. Uh, so... Um, Love it, hate him. If you're into sports, not into sports. Um, you know, obviously the passing of Kobe Bryant was a, a pretty significant uh, event in the last couple of days. Um, there's been a lot of deaths. You know, Neil Peart, Peart, um, and the drummers uh, from Death, and I can't remember the other band off the top of my head. But you know, a lot of people have been passing away in the sports and uh, you know rock and metal uh, realms. Um, so it's it's kind of sad, but. Um, all of that aside, uh, I'm going to wrap this up, and then I'm basically going to get into my conversation with Mickey Avalon, and I'm going to go right into my conversation with Simon Rex, and I'm not going to do an outro because I just don't see the point in doing it. So um, 
If you would like to keep up with the Astronomicon, you can find them on Facebook at Official Astronomicon, Instagram at the Astronomicon, Twitter at Astronomicon MI. You can find everything over at Astronomicon.com. Again, the event is February 7th through the 9th at the Wyndham Gardens in Sterling Heights, Michigan. Uh, it's a good time. Go check it out. Uh, performances, panels, signings, all that kind of stuff. If you're into wrestling, horror, pop culture, rap, whatever, there's something there for you. Go check it out. Uh, if you would like to keep up with uh, Simon Rex, you can find him on Instagram at SimonRex415, Twitter at SimonRex, and check out his podcast, uh, Nervous Rex, on any place that you... Presumably, if you're listening to this podcast, you can find his podcast on the same platform. Um, I really enjoyed it. The uh, the one with uh, Charlie Sheen was pretty interesting. Um, you know, it's it's been a few years since Charlie had a, a very long form interview like that, so it was kind of cool to kind of catch up with him and see what's been going on. Uh, and uh, him and Simon obviously have uh, history, so it's always cool when you kind of get a sense of friendship and familiarity. Uh, I think that always leads to the best interviews. So go check out his podcast. You know, he's only been doing it for about forty episodes or so as of now. Um, so always support podcasters who support other podcasters. Uh, if you would like to keep up with Mickey Avalon, you can find him simply enough at Mickey Avalon on Facebook, Instagram at Mickey underscore Avalon and Twitter at Mickey Avalon. And if you would like to keep up with everything else, go to MickeyAvalon.com, keep up with tour dates, buy some merch, look out for those, uh, that new single woke AF, uh, as you heard, uh, I think Valentine's day is when the video will drop. Hopefully if uh, nothing else goes wrong. And uh, without further ado, this is my conversations with Mickey Avalon and Simon Rex, and I'll see you guys next week. So I have the pleasure this uh, early, well, early evening for me, early uh, midday for you at this point, but uh, talking to Mickey Avalon, who will be appearing at the Astronomicon 3, February 7th in Sterling Heights for the 80s party. Um, honestly, can't think of a more better fit kind of for the Astronomicon than you coming out there and doing uh, this 80s party. What are you most looking forward to in doing this? Uh, just looks like it's going to be fun. Uh seeing some friends and I guess uh, something new for me. So yeah, I think it, just, just excited to do it period. I'm, I'm doing that, uh, that show. And then the, the next day there's uh, like, I guess a signing thing. And then uh, the following day on Sunday, there's a show in uh, Ann Arbor. Yeah. You're playing at the blind pig, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that's, uh, that's probably it. I was gonna say that's the only venue I can think of in Ann Arbor, but I've never actually been into it. The uh, the venue were dicks because there's actually it's kind of like a nice hole in the wall dive bar, and I was like, hey, like you know, I used to book shows. Can I go up and just check out the room? I've always wanted to see what the room looks like, and it was literally my wife and I and one other person, and the dude's like, nope, and I was like, really? <laughs> that's weird, but yeah, it is called the Blind Pig. I just looked it up, so yeah, that's Sunday the the ninth of uh, February. Yeah, um, so I know, uh, according to your socials, you have been teasing a brand new song coming out on the 31st. Uh, what can we expect from this new song? Well, first, it doesn't look like it's coming out the 31st. It's gonna, it got pushed back a little just because uh, the video, we had to get a new editor for the video, and it's been taking a little longer, but it, it will be coming out on Valentine's Day. So it's only pushed back uh, two weeks. And uh, that'll be the song and the the video coming out at the same time. It's called Woke AF. And it's like, uh, it's, you know, it's against how everything's just so politically correct now. And uh, it's just a statement about that. Yeah, not really a fan of this this whole new thing. Uh, a lot of the podcasts I listen to with comedians, you know, they're kind of talking about how it kind of makes you have to create and be more inventive as to how to not get part of caught up in this cancel culture shit but i am kind of enjoying the people who are just so unapologetically like you know what fuck it like we're not going to do that <laughs> yeah so it's, it's basically everything you just talked about it's like because in everyday life you know i mean i guess at, at the job place and stuff there's ramifications but more like like in com in comedy in art and all those things is where you kind of see it have the most uh you know be a pain in the ass and just like yeah, people getting canceled and fired and all that. So it's just a, uh, I guess, an unapologetic uh, stab at that. 
you know, something that was kind of interesting when when this opportunity to talk to you came across uh, my email, you know, I was kind of thinking about like the success of uh, of a song like My Dick and, and even like Jane Fonda, you know, when I became aware of your songs, interestingly enough, maybe you may not have known this through the sync of uh, the song, show Hung on HBO. Uh, I think it was used in that couple episodes in the first I do remember season. remember that. And it was one of those things like that. thinking about your career and just thinking about how much, you know, sync opportunities really aren't even what they used to be, you know, having a career and thinking about that song almost 14 years later, how do you feel that the music industry has changed and how have you been able to stay relevant in it and adapt to it in that time frame? I mean, I think when I, when I first started making music, uh, it was already like had kind of, the first change was starting. So I, I kind of was never... Like, like as far as, you know, people would sell millions of records and then, and then like, uh, social media kind of was just starting, you know, like, uh, MySpace and stuff. Uh, so, so I never was like around when to sell millions of records. So I was already like kind of seeing that first change, but still it wasn't anything like where it is now. So, so I kind of saw the first change, but I wasn't part of it before that. I just kind of saw it happening. Like, what was happening with the record labels and uh and then but you kind of still needed it like some sort of machine kind of behind you even though you could put your stuff out by yourself and now like a lot of it is not even just music but just in general just like you have all these youtube sensations and uh they just you know i don't know it's just a totally different thing i i've i've just been i've toured my whole career uh and that's always been uh you know, most of my income, I mean, I've done okay with licensing and stuff like that, but I never like made a bunch of money on selling records or anything. It's always been touring. So, and then you make them, you know, you make new music in order to go tour that music. But I, I like to, I also like to record. So that's kind of, I like, I like performing too, but I like being in the studio. So it's not, it's not hard to always be making new stuff. With as anti, <laughs> as, I don't want to call it an anti-single, but basically just the point or the fact that, you know, a song like Jane Fonda is an undeniable like pop hit. It has really great pop sensibilities from the song structure standpoint and so forth. But a song like My Dick, like I know that's a song that a lot of people know you from. And to me, it's like uh-huh. I couldn't think of a more anti-single single that has resonated and had the lasting power that it has. Does a song like that surprise you or that it's lasted so long and had such a, a, a big prominence in your career or is it just kind of one of those things where you're like that's just how the music industry is sometimes some shit will land and you just got to go for it yeah i mean it, it surprises me like just because when we did it it was like there's three of us that did it and two of us didn't think it was a very good idea me being one of them not that we thought it was a bad idea just we just thought it was we just thought it was stupid not that we thought it would be like anything bad or anything um but yeah, that's the only song I have that's gone platinum. And yeah, I guess it's just like, it's when you tr- like if you if you try to make a hit or something, like you you won't. But then something, you know, you do a stupid song like that, and uh, and it goes on. But not when I think about it, like now in hindsight, I'm like, I guess that makes sense because uh, other people can make their own versions, and then they, it's just like one of those things that can, like you, when you're at a certain age, you start smoking weed, and then you listen to like you know, reggae music or something, certain age, start doing psychedelics. You listen to Led Zeppelin and Jimi Hendrix. And, and I guess there's an age when kids start being fuck ups and, and they listen to me, you know, I don't know. You know, it's kind of interesting. Uh, this is a completely random tangent, but you're, it's kind of interesting. You correlated, you know, kind of getting into certain music based on, I'll say extracurricular activities that you get into. And I definitely think, uh, you know, I've actually been talking to a lot of people recently about, you know, I don't do shrooms a ton, but I think I'm glad that I have done them because of what they've opened me up to and uh, experiencing definitely. more about myself and, and how I view the world and other people and all that kind of things, all those kind of things. And, you know, something, yeah. you know, I was reading something recently and someone was like you don't have to be fucked up to make good art but i kind of was thinking i don't know though but like aerosmith you know like for shits and giggles because i was just reading an article about them it's like they kind of wrote some of the best music when they were all fucked up and then afterwards you're just kind of like meh so it's like do you yeah, some... good no no sorry keep going and no, then i was say. just i was just gonna say do you think that sometimes maybe having those experiences or you know maybe 
we'll just say even being drunk and, and maybe like, you know, that beat for my dick comes on and you're like, dude, I got this like wild ass idea. Fuck it. I'm just going to do it. Cause like you, your inhibitions are lowered. Do you think that that kind of adds to the creativity and will allow further inspiration down the road to write a song? Because you've shown that when you're, you're maybe your barriers are down a little bit that you're more artistic or more in the moment and not so self judgmental. I think it's exactly what you said was the barriers down. It's just really getting, getting out of your way. So probably, uh, getting out of the getting out of your own way is probably what does it and and obviously it's a lot easier to do that with uh drugs and alcohol than with uh you know meditating for 20 years or something so uh i think that's really what it is not that you're fucked up but that yeah you're just not you're not uh you're not thinking about shit too much and then i think when a lot of people um you know say like you're talking about aerosmith and then they're not getting fucked up and then maybe the their stuff sucks but it, it might be a direct correlation of that, but I think it's more that when they were being all fucked up, they were loose. And then when they're not, maybe they're uptight. So I think you could easily be not getting fucked up anymore and still not be uptight. It just might be a little uh, more difficult, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It was just kind of something. Like when you, you said, get real fucked up, when you get real fucked up in life, then you're not doing anything. You're not really creating <laughs> anything. You've passed, uh, you pass that point. I, I try to like toe the line and just, uh, you know, not really get do anything that's too bad for me, but I also don't want to be super uptight all the time. So, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I try to toe that line. You know, it's kind of interesting. I was trying to find some other more recent interviews with you and didn't really find a whole lot, but it did kind of make me wonder as I was looking for things and kind of seeing comments from, you know, old interviews, old music videos and so forth. What is the biggest misconception about you that you have come across uh, that people may not realize is not accurate? Uh, I would probably just think that, okay, everybody has to, you know, we all have kind of different coats we wear in different situations. But I would think like with me, what people probably see the most is, uh, you know, me on stage, uh, so I just think probably people just probably think I'm a lot more, uh, I don't know what the word would be, but high, high strong or something, you know, than I am. I'm pretty calm and, and mellow in real life. Like anything, I mean, it's all, it's all a piece of me. It's just, uh, it's just when on stage you need, you need full, you know, full throttle and in it, in the rest of life, you know, you'd be kind of a jackass if you were like, <laughs> you know, jumping on tables and stuff. So I think that's probably, probably it. Oh, and people think I like to do uh, tons of cocaine <laughs> and that's, not, and that's not a, uh, no judgment on anyone who does. That's just not my, uh, it's just, I just not, it's not my, my drug of choice. And we talk about it a lot more because I think so many other, like that, that's probably the, the most, uh, common drug of you know people out that go out in the nightlife and stuff like that so if we wanted to talk about you know quote, quote unquote just drugs like an umbrella of drugs uh coke is the one that most people can relate to so we just throw that that out there but then yeah i would say that's probably the biggest misconception is everyone's always uh surprised when I don't want to share the Coke bag with them after the show. <laughs> I just always think it's funny sometimes the the misconception of what people do. Like, you know, in doing this podcast for like three years, you know, I've been on the back of some tour buses to do some of these interviews. And people are like, oh, what's it like? And I'm like, so imagine being in a tiny studio apartment. That's pretty much what it's like. It's like four or five or in some cases, if they have crew, eight to 12 dudes, backpacks and pillows everywhere. And it's kind of chaos. It's It's not luxurious like you think it is. And it's still yeah, interesting. That's another misconception, I would think, that, uh, you know, we it's obviously a great, it's like the best job I've ever had, and I'm, I'm very grateful. But I think people think it's just fun, like, uh, you know, all day and, and night. And and 90% of, of touring is, is the traveling in between. You know, for that one hour on stage, uh, a lot goes goes into that. Well, on top of that, I mean, let's call a spade a spade. Other than Lemmy, I don't think you could have a career as long as you've done and had if you just were constantly, you know, on coke all the time or partying all the time. There has to be yeah. some work and due diligence that goes into it. And it's like you can't yeah. can't maintain the lifestyle people may think that you have 
by yeah. doing what well, they think you do. Meth, so. meth that lasts a lot longer than coke. So he just, you know, he found his, uh, he found his lane and it worked. And yeah, but yeah, most people, if you're not on, on, well, there's a lot of people on speed now because a lot of people are on Adderall. Yeah. So, um, so there probably is, you know, tons of people that will be on speed their whole life and, uh, and it might work for them. You know, it was kind of interesting when they announced this Astronomicon and, and seeing you and, and uh, some of the other musical guests that they're bringing out. I was kind of, at first I was like, wow, okay, because like, I, I don't really think you've come to Michigan a whole lot that I can recall. And so it was kind of like one of those, I was like, oh, shit, like Mickey's coming to around here to Michigan, like that's tight. But beyond that, you know, the con aspect of it, you know, you said you're going to do kind of some signings and so forth while you're there. Have you really experienced much of the like con culture at all? Uh, no, I actually have not. And I, uh, I, I go to Detroit. I, I don't go there as much as I like. I mean, I'd like to go every year. I think I probably go every few years. Um, but I haven't done any of, uh, con culture. Our friend up in Michigan, uh, he's the manager of Twisted, our friend George. Okay. And, uh, he, he's the one who hooked the whole thing up. And, I don't want to say we did it as a favor, but I mean, we did it as like, he's the one who, he's the one who brought it up, but he's the one who brought it our way. I don't know if it would have came our way if it wasn't for him. That's why I've never been to anything like that. So, um, so yeah, he set up the whole things for me and Dirt Nasty. And I know there's a bunch of other people there. And then, uh, and then we were, and then we also booked that show in Ann Arbor because we were already there, but uh, no, I have there. I've, I've seen, you know, on TV, like a bunch of different, they all, they all look fun. I mean, it looks like people that are into a specific thing. They go, they go to it. You know, they have like a Alien Con and Com- Comic Con's the, the biggest, right? The first one. Yeah, the one that's out out there in LA. I mean, that's like a, what started it all, or, or I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I kidding. guess. I mean, I don't. I mean, it's kind of interesting, you know, listening to a bunch of Kevin Smith podcasts and so forth, and he always talks about going to these cons, you know, out in the East Coast where he was from, and then when he moved out to L.A. and the West Coast, like the cons they had out there, and it was a slow building thing, and then I don't really know where you can pinpoint it exactly, but nerd culture or pop culture became nerd culture, and it just became this huge thing. Um, I do always find yeah. it. I do always find it amusing that. Uh, the the day or the weekend of Comic Con out in LA is the same weekend where the AVN Con is happening, like right across the street. So you get like yeah. nerds and porn stars like all intermingling, and I just think that's kind of really great. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And uh, you know, all these things get you know like the big corporations get involved, and then uh, I think it's cool to have like minded people, uh, you know, going and hanging out. And I'm not gonna bitch about uh, corporate bullshit whatever but um like you can then you get all these like big big stars that go to them and they're probably making like a shit ton of money to to be there um for us it's not it's not like that at all but um yeah it just looks fun like you know i don't know i think chicks used to not go to those things and i think that now they do more and more yeah. especially with abn across the street <laughs> absolutely uh kind of in wrapping up what are is there someone that is it going to be at the astronomicon that you're looking forward to seeing um, I, I honestly don't even, I know, I don't even know who's all going to be there. I'm sure I'll see a bunch of people from uh, movies that I, I grew up on, you know, uh, just, I guess just my friends, you know, the guy, I like the guys from Twisted and, um, yeah, no, I don't know. I, I, I'd have, I'd be lying if I said I knew everyone was going to be there, but just, just happy to get out there and hang, meet some new people. And uh, lastly, I mean, you, you said that this new single is uh, Woke AF is going to be kind of pushed back a little bit. Um, are you going to be playing any new stuff uh, when you're performing, or what is your set kind of going to look like? I already, yep, I actually even started, I even started playing Woke AF. I played it the last two shows I played, so I played it two times already, and I'll be playing it at all the, on my upcoming shows. Um, and it so wait is it going to be out by the time so yeah i will be playing it it won't be out but i'll be playing it and uh maybe if the if the video i don't not promising anything because i don't know if it's going to be done but if the video was done and i think we would do some sort of viewing it of it there even if it wasn't out yet but i'll definitely 100 percent play it and uh 
I know we're going to be after the show the next day, we're doing the signings. And I think there's like a, like a karaoke party or, or something at some point. That sounds like fun. That, I'm, that we're going to, that I'm sure people there will, will know about. And then, yeah, the, the following day is that the blind pig in, uh, in Ann Arbor. And then before that, and no one who hears this is probably anywhere near Aspen, but the day before, <laughs> On Thursday, I have a gig in uh, in Aspen. Awesome! It is uh, yeah Thursday, the sixth of February, uh, at a place called Bootsy Bellows in Aspen, Colorado. I need to get so, back to Colorado. And then, and then um, yeah, I love Colorado. But and then a few weeks after, uh, a few weeks after Michigan, we go to uh, or I go to uh, Florida. Handful of shows out there. So yeah. Where can people find you online, uh, and what do you have in store for the rest of 2020? Um, online, it's uh, you know all the social media stuff, so uh, Twitter and Facebook, and then on Instagram, it's just uh, there's an underscore Mickey underscore Avalon. I think on the other two, it's just my name. And uh, rest of the year, uh, touring, you know, as always, most of the. Uh, not too many of my dates are up yet, but they're kind of coming in as we speak. And then uh, I have the new single, Woke AF, coming out on uh, Valentine's Day now. And then two more singles that will both have videos. So there'll be uh, three videos, three singles and videos in a row. And then uh, when the third one comes out, which will be around mid-May or something, and the second one will be in between those, obviously, uh, there will be a full length. Uh, that will also come out. Awesome. So, yeah, so that's what I got. I got a new record and some new... I haven't been able to make videos forever because I haven't, uh, you know, I didn't have any help doing it, and now I do. So I'll have new videos, new songs, new music, new record, and uh, touring. I'll be touring with uh, Dirt Nasty also, uh, with him, without him. Uh, Just, you know, like I said, the, the dates are going on the books as we speak. So... Hopefully, you know, I'll be all through America and then uh, hopefully Canada and Australia. And and we also are talking about going to Europe, which I haven't done for a long time. So, yeah, so all that stuff. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for taking the time. And maybe when uh, we get a little closer to that record uh, dropping, have you come back on and talk a little bit more about that. And uh, it was great chatting Perfect. with you. You too. Have a good day. You as well. So I had the pleasure of talking to Simon Rex on my lunch break, who will be appearing at the Astronomicon 3, uh, February 7th in Sterling Heights for the 80s party. Um, you know, I talked to your uh, cohort, Mickey Avalon, last night. Uh, I think this is, is this something you've done before, this this con, going to cons and appearing at cons and performing at them? No, this is, I've never done this before, especially with uh, Mickey. I did. Yeah, this is new to us, so we're stoked about it. I think I've done one of these once, and it wasn't for a comic book convention. It was for, like, a weed convention, because I'm part owners of a rolling paper company. So I would go to these big weed conventions, but I think that was a little more drug-induced. But maybe they're stoned here, too. I don't know. I mean, we in Michigan have recently passed the law, so I think it's decriminalized, and I think it's legal. Um, I think they just got to dot the I's and cross the T's and so forth. But I love it. I love it. And I don't even smoke weed anymore. The funniest thing is I quit smoking weed and now it's legal everywhere. So everybody's like, dude, we come to the weed shop. I'm like, I don't care. I don't smoke weed anymore, but good for you guys. You know, it's kind of been funny. You know, I'm kind of glad we, we did this. You know, we kind of had to reschedule this uh, in light of a family passing away uh, on my website uh, last week. But, you know, I'm kind of glad we got to do this because I got to talk to Mickey first. And, and, you know, we kind of just talked more about, you know, the music career side of what he's doing and what he's got coming up. And, you know, I think it's kind of interesting. I don't know that a lot of people know that you do music, you know, producing and so forth. So is it still kind of surprising all these years later with the information being able to be readily available that people still don't know that you are active in, in music? Yeah, it's funny. It's like, well, a lot of people don't even know that Simon, I mean, I'm going to talk about myself in the third person, which is obnoxious, but that <laughs> Simon Rex is is dirt nasty. People don't know that I'm, the. people still have a hard time wrapping their head around it because they're like, wait, you played in Scary Movie as a rapper, but you really rap. Wait, what's going on here? And I don't think people quite get it. So I like that because it kind of gives me an advantage. You want to be sort of mysterious and keep people guessing and 
oh, did you, you know what I mean? It's kind of like makes it fun for me. And uh, I prefer to keep it a little more weird and, and uh, mysterious. So for me, it's great. And yeah, I started off as a music producer for Mickey. I would make beats for him and help him write raps. I was never supposed to be on stage with him. That was never the plan. I was just like making beats and he'd live on my couch and I was his producer. And sure enough, one day he's like, dude, grab, you know, I'd be in the studio with him, like just fucking around and rapping, smoking weed and drinking, whatever we were doing. And one day he's like, dude, get on stage with me. And Dirt Nasty was born. It was a total like freak accident. It was never planned. Like most good things in life that happen, it like they happen fortuitously. There's no plan, you know? Absolutely, and, and kind of segueing perfectly into it and speaking to being just things happening fortuitously, you know, I, again, I don't know if people know that you were kind of the beat maker behind my dick, and I think it is interesting that, you know, this legend goes that it was basically just something that you guys collectively threw together so quickly and became a hit that got, you know, sync opportunities on shows on HBO and so forth. Are you surprised at the lasting power of a song like that, which is kind of the anti-single of sorts? Well, it's just funny that you said, uh, beat my dick. But anyway, yeah, um, I think that the, the exact same thing goes for the character of Dirt Nasty being born with no plan was the same thing that happened with my, my dick, the song. For people listening, I'm sure if you know who me and Mickey are, you've heard the song, My Dick, you know, and people, um, you know, that's pretty unanimously everyone's favorite song. That's, you know, that's the only song we've done that's gone platinum. You know, it's sold a million copies. It's done really well. It's been, like you said, in movies and TV shows. And again, that was one of those songs where we were just fucking around and we weren't like, oh, we're going to make a, a song that's going to, you know, be on TV and film. And we went the opposite direction. We said, what's the dumbest song we could do that's really offensive and ignorant? And that was the one that did really well. And then, of course, when, you know, they put us in the studio with the big musicians and the hit makers, nothing happened. It was when we were fucking around <laughs> that the magic happened. So, yeah, it's a trip. It's a trip because, like, that song is still sort of... Uh, you know, is out there in the universe, you know, like, Jesus, it's been over 10 years. What am I saying? It was an, oh, we made it in, oh, I was going to say 14 years 15 ago, 15 years old, 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. Almost 15. Yeah. It was like, oh, five. Oh, six. I think it came out 14 years ago, but we made it 15 years ago and we did it in my spare bedroom with a sock on the mic as like the, <laughs> you know, to soften the blow of like your mouth. I mean, it was really shitty. And that's what I think people felt was the energy through the song. It wasn't the quality of the recording. It was that we were having fun and people felt that, you know? Well, I mean, something Mickey and I were kind of talking about, you know, just how much the, the industry has changed over the years. You know, that was in the, the, I guess kind of the, the beginning of like MySpace and social media becoming what it is and musicians being able to just kind of put out whatever they want when they want. And, you know, something in kind of thinking about all that, you know, obviously your ties back to MTV were you able to parlay any of the, the connections maybe that you made through working with MTV to kind of showcase your musical side? I don't think it, yeah, you know, I don't, that's interesting. I don't, no one's ever asked me that before. And I never even thought about that because I really did have a lot of connections at MTV. You know, when I worked there, this is in 1996, 97, I met everybody from musicians to athletes to actors, you know, you can meet everyone at MTV, especially back then. And I never actually, I, you know, no, it never, I never crossed the two. It was never like, oh, I know somebody that I met back in the days at MTV. If anything, it was the opposite because when we went to MTV to promote Mickey's music years later, I was in the same office in New York City on Broadway that I used to work in. And I was like, holy shit, what a trip. Like nine years later, I'm here in MTV, but for music that I'm working on, this is so weird. And then I'd see people in the office that I kind of knew, like, what are you doing here? I'm like, oh, I'm doing this music thing. It was totally separate, you know? Hmm. Interesting. It's just so funny in the day and age now where everyone basically is a brand and you're not just one singular thing. You're a multifaceted individual, as most people are, but in the more in the entertainment aspect of it. I just kind of had wondered if that was something that you ever took advantage of. No, I don't think, you know, I probably should have, but I didn't. And it worked out good either way. And yeah, you're right. Like to be in this business, you, you, you can't just rely on one thing. You know, that's, that's kind of how this whole thing happened was, you know, I came to LA, you know, 20 years ago and because I got, you know, approached to do like movies and TV shows. So I came out here to do it, but then you have a lot of downtime in LA doing that type of work. There's a lot, you know, you're lucky that you'd be lucky to work six months out of the year. 
So in those other six months, what are you going to do? So I just started making music to get creative and then all this happened. So again, fortuitous, no design. Yeah. You know, something else that was kind of interesting, speaking to the multifacetedness of how I know you from, you know, being in my mid-30s, you know, Rock and Jock, you know, I feel like was so ahead of its time. Now you see the NBA and the MLB, you know, doing the celebrity athlete, you know, crossover in their all-star weekends and so forth. And, you know, that was, I think Rock and Jock was one of the first to kind of marry celebrities and athletes together. What are kind of your memories of that? And do you think you know, that that could come back? Do you think MTV could kind of bring that formula back and, and kind of kind of retake the crown, I guess? I mean, I think they should. I, I think it'd be a good idea because, you know, MTV just doesn't seem that relevant anymore due to the internet and, you know, social media. Because MTV used to be the only place to go to to find what's cool and new and find music. And now it doesn't, It's it, you know, it's not as needed as it used to be. And that's why I remember when I worked at MTV, they started showing reality TV shows. And I remember I asked like my boss at MTV, I said, why do you guys keep showing these shows like Real World and Road Rules? They said, Simon, the numbers are so much bigger than showing music videos. We simply have to do it for advertising money. So they started showing reality. They started reality TV shows at MTV in the 90s. That was the beginning of reality TV, which is still a monster, you know, and so I remember tripping out on that back then. And then they had to make MTV2 to show music videos. Then eventually MTV2 became all reality shows. It's like, where does it end, right? So I feel like MTV kind of lost its way, you know, um, as far as being like a cool source of music. And I'm not talking shit. It's all good. Like everybody knows that. But it's it, they would benefit from doing something like that. And I'm surprised they haven't. They should bring back Cribs also. Mm, absolutely. I mean, it is interesting kind of looking back on that. You know, at the, something that I was going to kind of lead into with that question and setting it up was, you know, when we were supposed to do this originally was actually the day that of uh, Aaliyah's birthday. And then in the 96 Rock and Jock game that you played and you played against her. And, you know, I was going to kind of ask, like, do you have any memories of her? Or, you know, as I kind of have thought about it after the fact of, you know, you've gotten to play with a lot of interesting people who maybe weren't at the height of their success and kind of just being around people as you're seeing the, the the come up and some sorts you know what was that kind of like being able to be immersed with some people and seeing them kind of on the rise and getting to know them maybe before they got the egos or the entourages or so forth yeah it's, it's funny you said that because i was talking about this yesterday i was talking about this um because the kobe bryant you know helicopter accident just happened and i said i haven't felt this weird feeling as if you know, like uh, this tragedy like this. And I remember it brought me back to when Aaliyah's plane crashed. And I actually knew Aaliyah from MTV and I worked with her at Tommy Hilfiger as well because I was doing like work with Tommy Hilfiger. So she was just the sweetest girl and it was just so fucked up. And that this Kobe Bryant thing was very similar to that one, just sort of like, oh man, like did the celebrity card get them to just kind of go past like the FAA regulations and fuck what really happened there? It was a little sketchy. And uh, she was so sweet. I've seen so many people like that on the come up. Um, and I was talking about this also yesterday with Kevin Hart. I did Scary Movie 3 with Kevin Hart. And I remember him telling me we'd be like smoking weed in my hotel room. And he was like, you know, he had a smaller role on the movie. And it was like I was the lead in the movie. And he, had, he played my buddy. And I remember him telling me, he's like, I'm going to take over Hollywood. Watch. I'm going to do the, I'm going to fucking kill it. I'm, and he was so driven. And I remember thinking, holy shit. Uh, this guy's really driven. And then fast forward to 20 years later, and he's the Eddie Murphy of our generation selling out stadiums. And he, I remember, you know, it's interesting to see people like that. You can kind of eye them out and be like, okay, not only do they have the talent, but they also have the hustle, which is a big thing because I actually think that you can make it farther with hustle than talent. I've seen that happen too, where you see someone who's so talented, but yet they don't know how to, you know, you know, like, make it because it's a business right and talent isn't enough you've got to have both and i was always I was always talking with my friends like damn if i had like if i had kevin hart's drive i would be a fucking millionaire but i just i think i have 30 percent of what he has i'm like happy being a thousandaire and not a millionaire and just kind of laying a little bit under the radar than having that level i think i'd be scared of that level of fame where you can't go outside you know like I got it pretty good. Like, you know, I don't get bothered much. Like people are kind of, Oh, you look like that guy. And it's, you know, it's no big deal. But, uh, yeah, yeah. It's interesting because I see that all the time. I see people coming up and going down and it's just it's fucking crazy. 
You know, I feel like there's a whole lot we could discuss, you know, as far as, you know, the kind of cancel culture around Kevin Hart and the documentary he recently put out about that, about Kobe Bryant, you know, you living out in LA, you know, I've kind of I've seen the footage of people, you know, in, in mourning and the Staples Center stuff, obviously surrounding the Grammys and so forth. Um, just kind of a very somber thing, you know, um, but kind of switching up gears a little bit, you know, you, you have a podcast of your own. I don't know if people are aware of that. People who will be listening to this are aware of that. How have you enjoyed this medium of, you know, freeform conversations? I love it. It's actually great because, you know, the only time I've ever done anything like this was 20 plus years ago at MTV. And when I did that, it was a very short interviews that were fake and kind of like, hey, we got so-and-so from this movie and they promote the movie and it's five minutes long and it's sort of the, the late night, you know, talk show format of sort of uh, a real quick interview that's staged. And then, you know, I'm such a fan of podcasts. I love hearing these long form conversations where people, you know, relax into a conversation. You really get to see the subtle nuances in somebody's personality that maybe you're a fan of. And, you know, I, I'm just really into podcasting. So for me doing it, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm really into, listen, I'm a fan of podcasts. So for me to get to do it has been amazing. And, you know, I've just met so many cool, interesting people over the years that that was my angle. I'm like, okay, well, everybody and their mom has a podcast. What am I going to do that's different? Well, since I've been working at MTV, I've met everybody, like from, you know, Charlie Sheen working with him to, you know, Aaliyah. To, I mean, I've met everybody you can imagine. So I was like, dude, you know, I could get these people for one hour. They'd give me an hour of their day. So I said, fuck it, let me try podcasting. And I love it. I'm about a year in. The show's called Nervous Rex. You could go onto any podcast format or YouTube and type in Nervous Rex, Simon Rex, obviously spelled R-E-X. And uh, I think we got about 40 episodes up or something like that. So, it's, you know, it's just getting started, but I'm loving it, man. I'm kind of doing what you're doing. You know, I'm getting, I'm learning to be the interviewer instead of the interviewee. Well, you know, I think that segues perfectly into one of my last questions for you. What have you learned about yourself as a result of doing the podcast? Uh, man, that I got to slow down and shut the fuck up. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, it's, you know, I'm very, uh, like, I just, my brain works really fast. And I got to, I've just learned that I have to ask the question and shut the fuck up. Because your instinct when you're talking to somebody in real life is, you know, you go, uh-huh, yeah, oh, right. And, you know, you kind of fill in the blanks with just filler words. But when you're listening to a podcast, that kind of ruins the flow. So I'm really learning in real life and on the show to simply ask the question and let the person finish talking and, and don't interrupt them. And, uh, you know, it's really hard to watch and hear yourself do that. You're like, oh, dude, just shut the fuck up and let them talk. You know, I just get so excited. I want to, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. It's a really interesting psychological evaluation of yourself. But, you know, always learning and shit. Just got to, you know, slow it down a little. I think the one thing that's been interesting for me doing this for almost three years now is you're, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't. You either get people who say you're you're too involved in talking too much, or then when you start kind of you know putting that back a little bit and letting be more reserved, you get people who are like, it seemed like you weren't even interested, and you're like, well, fuck, man, right. like, <laughs> there's no winning. But um, kind of wrapping up, you know, last question: You're doing the '80s night uh, for Astronomicon. Uh, what was your favorite part of the 80s, you know, actually being someone alive during it? Um, my favorite part of the 80s was just, I think, like the pop culture, just the music, the movies, the just the, the style, break dancing. I mean, all this shit. So when I look back on the 80s and I just listen to music from the 80s, obviously that was my childhood. I was a kid in the 80s. So it was, you know, it's like uh, the soundtrack of my life to hear 80s music or to, you know, watch those old movies or anything like that or the fashion. All those things, like the 80s was just like nothing else. And it was sort of the last decade before, you know, internet and social media and all these fucking things that have taken, I don't know, like it was just the end of that world before it got too tucked out. So I, I don't know. There's just so much about the 80s that was my favorite. Yeah, just I'd say just pop culture and the cocaine. Wait, I was just kidding. I wasn't doing coke in the 80s. <laughs> and uh, who are you looking forward to seeing at, uh, at the Astronomicon? Uh, I don't, okay, I feel horrible, but I got to be honest, I don't even know who's playing or who's going to be there or anything, I guess, Twisted, I know those guys, I've met them once, we did a show together, I want to see them because we're in their hood, you know, um, who else is going to be there that I should check out, maybe you tell me. Uh, first of all, I think it's funny that you and Mickey had the exact same, literally the exact same answers uh, for that, um, 
I honestly haven't really been keeping too much up with it. Uh, I know uh, Bill Mosley from, you know, Three from Hell, uh, Devil's Rejects, all that. I know he's going to be there again. Uh, per the socials, it looks like a lot of the, the same uh, vendors as last year. So it'll be, you know, like people who make like scary teddy bears and so forth. Um I see Alexa Bliss. What's a scary the teddy bear? It's like, you know, they just make these teddy bears. They make these teddy bears that look, you know, like have, you know, you can see their ribs or, you know, missing limbs or dressed up like Jason Voorhees or something like that. It's just like kind of horror-themed teddy bears. Um, oh, cool. So there's will be like toys and All stuff right. like that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of like horror-themed, uh, you know, actors and so forth. I know uh, the guy who played... Uh, Dr. Satan from House of a Thousand Corpses is going to be there in full, uh, you know, makeup and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I don't really know of any musicians that are going to yeah, be this I year. Just, yeah, I just want to, I guess I'm all about the experience, you know, like it doesn't even really matter to me because I live in LA and I'm always around so many like celebrities and shit like that. But for me, it's not as much as like, oh, I, I want to see the guy from that movie. Like, I don't really care about that as much as I just kind of want to see. For me, the, what's cool is to come to, you know, the real America, like Michigan, and see the people and like people watch and, and hang out. And, and that that's the experience for me more than sort of the celebrity uh, element, because I'm always around that shit. To me, what's cool is to go into like the middle of America and go into the trenches and see what's really going on out there, because I live in this fucking bullshit world. And, I, you know, you just kind of get desensitized from all that. So that doesn't really matter so much. If anything, you learn to not want to meet your heroes because whenever you meet a celebrity you like, you're most, most of the time you're disappointed. So, you know, I've learned a long time ago to not care about that shit too much, you know? And uh, lastly, where can everyone find you online? Uh, Instagram is SimonRex415. Twitter is uh, SimonRex. And then Facebook, I believe, is Dirt Nasty. I don't use Facebook, but I have one that my manager's office runs. I'm scared of Facebook. I never did that one. But... I'm more interactive on Twitter and Instagram. So hit me up. I check my DMS when I'm bored on the couch, which is quite often. So don't be shy. Hit me up. Uh, I like interacting with the fans and all that shit. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, It was fun chatting. And uh, again, check out your podcast uh, when people hear this and I've enjoyed it. I like the Charlie Sheen one personally. Thank you. And have a good day. Yeah, you too, man. I'm not going to meet you out there. You'll be there. Come introduce yourself. No, I will not be there. Sadly. All right. Well, thanks for your time. dude. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. No, thanks for your time. And uh, right on, man. Have a great day.